Welcome back into the Frogs of War podcast. I'm Anthony North. With me is Russ Hodges. We are here to cover all things TCU sports. Coming off another TCU football come from behind victory. Second half uh, defensive dominance. Uh, TCU offense comes back, scores a bunch of straight points in a row. We got TCU 38, Kansas State 28 last Saturday night in Amon G. Carter Stadium. Russ, how are you feeling? I'm good, man. Went out and watched the game with uh, my cousin or husband. Uh, just shot the breeze for a little bit, watching football pretty much all day. And uh, what a getting through the gauntlet. I mean, all these ranked teams, four in a row, uh, first time in program history to get through all these games, uh, continuing to stay healthy for the most part and uh, looking ahead. Um, you know, there's no weeks off in the Big 12, but some. Uh, I guess easier matchups you could say coming up and it's a it's an awesome feeling I mean number seven in the country and college football playoff rankings are going to be right around the corner so really excited to see if uh, if TCU can keep this up and uh, when those rankings come out where the frogs are going to fall yeah exciting times I mean seven and oh seven in the country Uh, (laughs) yeah I, I, I don't know if we could have ever imagined uh, being in the, this position uh, coming into the season. So it it does feel a little bit like everything going forward is gravy. But now that we're here, now now we want it. Now we, now we want it all. And every game, it's going to feel like, uh, you know, the, the biggest game of the season of in TCU football history. Because if you, you go forward with the continue this undefeated season, um, can continue to be something special. So let's let's jump into the the happenings of the game, um, and and really I guess just a little bit of a, a, a tale of two halves with with a middle eight in between that that TCU really dominated that flipped the game uh, at the end of of the first half going into halftime and then then coming out of halftime as well. Um, TCU opens the game with with a quick defensive three and out. Um, Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez's only series of the game. Um, he comes in, turns out he was perhaps a little banged up coming into the game. Uh, he he gets tackled on a run attempting a first down, does not pick up the first down, and and that's the last play of his evening. Uh, we will we will talk more about the injury rhetoric that's going around TCU football and and kind of what the national media is saying on on some of that stuff here in a little bit but um you know from that from that first series it looked like okay this this game plan is set this is what TCU's going to do they're going to be able to to have uh, eyes on Martinez able to to slow down what this offense wants to do what it it plans to do with with this Adrian Martinez led offense um, and things looked looked up from there. Uh, it didn't turn out that way the rest of the, the first half. But I guess, Russ, any anything on how are we feeling early in this game? Yeah, I think, you know, TCU coming out defensively, uh, executing the game plan, you know, coming in that between Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn that Kansas State is going to run the ball quite a bit and, it's unfortunate for 
for the Wildcats that Martinez goes out after that first series. But then uh, Will Howard, who has had some success against TCU in the past, comes in and one frog killer for is, sure is coming in. You know, lighting it up, making some great throws. The the touchdown pass in the end zone to tie the game where uh, Josh Newton did about everything he could on that play. It was much like the the John Paul Richardson touchdown where he he's getting mossed but it's not his fault you know these guys are making great plays and uh will howard just came in and was was executing a different kind of offense that i think tcu was really thrown through the spin cycle uh defensively and i think there was some criticism after the game about tcu's inability to to adjust and falling behind having to come back against a backup quarterback but you know, Will Howard's not some true freshman who hasn't played. He's played for a couple of years now, and I, you know, I think the level of success that he's had is irrelevant because the game plan, at least for K-State offensively, they can't run the same kind of offense for Will Howard as they would for Adrian Martinez. So you saw more conventional runs for Deuce Vaughn. You saw a lot more passing plays and for, for TCU defensively to come in, you know, it's almost like TCU spent, imagine you spend all week doing homework to prepare for the ACT. And then you show up on Saturday with your number two pencils and your calculator and your bottle of water, a snack, you're ready to go. And then the proctor comes out and says, all right, uh, SAT time guys, who's ready to go. And you're like, wait a minute. I, I've been, that's not what I'm studying for. I'm studying for a different test. So I think the second half we saw TCU make that adjustment, but in the first half it was a huge uh, struggle to to adjust on the fly, and I think that's where Kansas State was able to take advantage. Yeah, definitely. That passing game was really working for Will Howard and for the Wildcats, and they were able to scheme up uh, linebackers onto wide receivers and onto Deuce Vaughn. Uh, in in a way that probably it wasn't going to be the plan with with Martinez as the quarterback. So uh, the players talked about that after the game about how they there there were some some bad spots that everybody was put in. Just there was a little bit of being put on the back foot and and having to to take that blow. And certainly Will Howard delivered those hits. I mean he he was he was tearing it up. Um, you mentioned the Newton play. I mean, I thought for sure that was an interception. I think I think everyone in in the Carter was ready to to rise on their feet, um, and for for that Kansas State receiver to come away with that was an incredible play. And, and nothing on Newton there. It's yeah, it's unfortunate for him that two weeks in a row he kind of gets <laughs> gets mossed like that. But uh, I'm I'm not concerned with his performance at at all. Um, I think. It, it is concerning that it's it's possible for a passer, even of Will Howard's talent, to be able to to hit these receivers, and for the scheme to to get guys open the way that they were able to there in the first half. And um, you know, I think going forward, there's TC will only face better passing offenses. I mean, starting with West Virginia this week, but certainly Texas and Texas Tech and and Baylor will all have quarterbacks capable of of hitting those big plays. So uh, something certainly to watch, but without question, that defense was able to 
make the adjustment and come out of halftime. And really the, you know, the final like eight, nine minutes of the half, very similar to last week um, against Oklahoma state where uh, that was it. That was, that was the end of the scoring. That was the end of uh, anything that the offense was going to actually do for Kansas state where once, once Gillespie has that, uh, that plan adjustment in place, it seems like it, it, he's, they're able to make it work. And I don't know if that's, that's his scheme or the guys settling into the roles or, or a bit of both, but um, you know, everybody, all the, the TCU fans online were, were very, and, and rightfully so very freaked out in the first half. And, you know, you, you go down uh, three scores and you get nervous, but clearly this team uh, has the moxie and has the, the ability to, to be, to bounce back from that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, TCU being able to come out and, and make an adjustment in the second half, Deuce Vaughn only finished with 12 carries in the game. So I was a little surprised that they, even with Will Howard in the game, I'm a little surprised that they, uh, I don't want to say they abandoned the run because I don't think they did, but they started to go away from it quite a bit, maybe because Will Howard was having a lot of success in the first half. Uh, so you can't really blame them for that, but uh, a little surprised that Deuce didn't get more involved in the second half. But for, for TCU, once again, offensively, the, off- the offensive line getting off the off the football, Kendra Miller finished with 153 yards. They ran the ball well all game. And I thought that was huge, especially at the end of the first half and the start of the second half. You're able to score a couple touchdowns. Max Duggan hits Jared Wiley on the play action. Um, frogs come out first drive of the third quarter and they're able to score, make it a four point game and, uh, was really encouraged to see that, uh, obviously TCU coming out to start the season has had a lot of fast starts, not so much over these last couple games, but, uh, in the second half, really happy to see not only the defense adjust, but the offense really, uh, excluding the the fourth down stop that Kansas State had late in the game, didn't seem to really struggle too much. Uh, they ran the ball effectively, and uh, TC was able to hit some big plays. Jared Wiley having his best game of the season could be a guy that gets more involved uh, moving forward. Just with his size, I mean, for for six Such at six seven, his catch radius is it's re- going to be really difficult for for teams over the middle of the field and in the red zone to, to be able to stop that because you can get him the ball in a variety of different ways. You can get him moving off the line of scrimmage. Uh, you, he's, he's talented enough to run routes as well. They had him lining up in the slot. So uh, a really versatile player and really exciting to see him again, another transfer. We've talked about how the transfers have come in and made a variety of different impacts. Um, you know, Jaquarius Spivey was kind of that hybrid receiver tight end that TCU had on the depth chart at the start of the year. But uh, Jared Wiley seems like he's starting to kind of take over that that role. And I'm uh, really interested to see how the Frogs uh, use him moving forward. Yeah, that that play that was towards the end of the half that scored the touchdown to Wiley was just a, a really brilliant uh, just scheme up from Garrett Riley. Clearly, you know, play action, 
motion in the backfield and just nobody was watching Wiley. He was he was there standing in the middle of the back of the end zone uh, ready to catch that. And, and it, that's just a uh, it, it, it's not one of those, our guys are better than your guys play. It's, it's our play is better than your play. Um, and so I don't know how many of those kind of situations TCU has had the last few years. So it was, that's the kind of thing that, um, is really encouraging for, for this team of, uh, that's, that's a, uh, an aspect to, to this Horn Frog squad that, uh, we haven't really seen. Um, going back to even before the defensive woes, the scoring started right off the bat with Darius Davis just turning on the speed burners um, on a on kind of a, a mid range crosser that he he takes and looked like you know oh this might be a eighteen yard gain twenty five yard gain and he just runs past everybody I mean there, there's these are <laughs> high level power five division one uh, defensive backs and he just sprints right past him. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the sports stat on it, um, on the analytics had it over 20 miles an hour on the run, just it, incredible athleticism from Darius Davis. Yeah. And you know, offensively for TCU, Quentin Johnston has been the guy these last couple of games. And uh, of course, another solid game against Kansas state. I believe he had four catches, uh, 74 yards and a, a touch or yeah, four catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. But uh, for this offense that has really spread the ball around as the season has moved forward, it's been nice to see uh, other players be able to step up and make those big home run type plays when it's been necessary. Uh, you look at Darius Davis and SMU in the game against Kansas state. We've seen Tay Barber step up and make phenomenal catches. Savion Williams, has had his moments and then Jared Wiley this past weekend. So it's, it's really important for that core of, of skill players to continue to improve and develop so that it's not just Quentin Johnston every single game. And could it very well be Quentin Johnston every single game? Sure. But your offense becomes so one dimensional that way when a team can essentially line up, even if you have three guys, four guys, even five guys out wide, and they're going to say, okay, uh, we're going to shadow number one. We're going to double number one because the ball's going his way. Uh, to see Darius Davis and, and Jared Wiley and these other receivers like Savion Williams and Tay Barber be able to make, even if it's only a couple catches, those significant plays, scoring plays, uh, long gains, extending drives, uh, is gonna, only going to make this pass attack much more potent as the year goes on.
Hey man, uh, real quick, can you can you hear me? Yeah, I think you might be you might be muted. Can you try talking real quick? Oh no, yeah. Okay. Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah, I hear you now. Shoot. Okay. Well, all of that was incredible analysis, and I'm sorry you missed it. And we're just gonna have to move on. Um, <laughs> uh, I was talking about Quentin Johnston. Did you hear any of the Quentin Johnston stuff? I did not. No. Okay. Back to that. He. I was saying. You know, he actually had kind of a, a rough game outside of his 55-yard uh, touchdown catch uh, there in the second half where uh, he had a couple that kind of hit him in the hands or maybe drops, maybe uh, t- tough plays. But um, like you were saying, he's you're able to have a not 100% perfect game from Quentin Johnston and the other guys come out and, and really step up. And um, where I was going to next was – the the drive that came out of the the second half um that on that drive the frogs go uh 77 yards on like 10 or 11 plays take six plus minutes off the clock and and really even though they were still trailing after after scoring there it felt like tcu had taken control back of the game um and the crowd was just exploding and and it felt like I know momentum's not real, but all the momentum was on TCU's side at that point. Yeah, coming out and scoring on that first drive of the third quarter was was huge. I almost think that was a, a necessity, even though they got the field goal before halftime. I believe it was twenty eight seventeen to come out and get the ball. I believe to start the third quarter and score. And again, you got to credit uh, TCU's ability to run the ball. Uh, anytime you can take that much time off the clock and finish with six points, I, I don't think you can really draw it up uh, much better than that. So uh, TCO offensively, just it's it's very consistent right now in terms of overall production. Scoring has been very consistent. The rushing attack has been consistent. Amari Di Mercado had some nice runs yesterday or uh, on Saturday, and passing the ball. You know, Max Duggan had some throws that he probably wishes he could have had back uh, some throws or maybe he rushed it. His mechanics were a little off, but um, overall a pretty, a pretty solid game from him and mistake free football from, from TCU in terms of uh, not throwing interceptions, not fumbling the ball away. Uh, special teams was solid, not, not giving opponents extra possessions by uh muffing kicks or conceding onside kicks so um really just kind of minor things that that tcu's got to clean up and i and i think johnny hodges actually said it best after the game where he said we still haven't put together four full quarters of football yet this year and you look at that as just the, the players are trying to be humble and they know they can do things better but i i completely agree with that because I think you can look at every game and, and see areas where TCU hasn't played its best and, and mistakes have been made. But honestly, that's that's been the case with a lot of teams in college football, especially teams that are in the top 10. I mean, Georgia almost lost to Missouri. Alabama has had a pair of close calls this year against Texas yeah, A&M I, I, and yeah. Texas. And yeah, Alabama 
almost lost to to two like really rough games there with Texas and Texas A and M. Those are those would have been really embarrassing to have had to mm-hmm. lose to Texas or Texas A and M. So. And Clemson, you know, escaping uh, escaping Syracuse, they benched DJ Uyagalelei. And look, no no team is, I, I guess, prone to no team is excluded from bad play once in a while. But it, it's really encouraging to see. That these players, even at seven and zero, even at four and zero in the Big Twelve, the only team unbeaten in the Big Twelve, still first in the standings, they know they can do better and they know they can do more, and it's really encouraging to see that. Also, because they just went through a, a pretty hellish schedule when you consider it's Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State in consecutive games. So, uh, a well earned historic stretch of wins for for TCU and you just hope that they continue to play with that chip on their shoulder and that belief that they still have more to do and more to prove as they move forward yeah and and to the point of you know being able to play not perfect and and still come out with the win I think it's it's the things where they don't let bad mistakes big mistakes happen but then the small mistakes do not snowball into larger mistakes mm-hmm. i think you know max took took some sacks in this game that he really probably sh- shouldn't happen i mean i mean the he's just holding on to the ball too long or situations where he's getting pressured and has got to get the ball away and and ends up he kind of scrambles away and loses more yardage than he needed to. I mean, there were, there were some, you know, second and 25s and, uh, third and 17 in particular on that, that drive in the, to start the second half where, you know, that's probably just a run a draw play and kick a field goal and, and move on with your day. But they, they hit that screen pass to Kendra Miller and, and he breaks it up the field. It's just a huge play in the game. Um, to, to keep that drive alive. And um, then again, later in that drive, the where he scores a touchdown is a fourth down and one from the two yard line. And, and he, he bullies his way into the end zone. So uh, that's, that's a case where a penalty here or a sack there, or, you know, a, a missed incompletion. Another one, you know, Max, Max hit, had a wide open Tay Barber that would have picked up a first down, uh, somewhere in that that bad stretch in the first half, where there was probably like five minutes of game time that was just like touchdown, uh, punt, touchdown, punt, uh, something like that, and and there was plays like that in that stretch where you know that's lesser teams, that's that's it, that's the end of it. So uh, impressive to see to see that stuff come through, and and yeah, I mean the the special teams. I'll say I I was pretty dubious of the wind being a, a factor in this game. You know, I, there, that was a lot of talk to me. I didn't I didn't know that that was going to play too much. And and really, in the fact of the over under on the score, I didn't think it should have. This was by far the lowest under. Like the total score on the game was like fifty four. So that clearly came through. But it, it definitely did affect the way that the game was being played, and, and particularly on special teams where. Uh, you know, some of those Jordy Sandy punts into the wind, it looked like they were boomers. And then it was, you know, they they get caught up there and drop for like 
you know, like a 30-yard punt, which is not what you want, but not terrible. Mm-hmm. But still, it, you know, it, it was that kind of thing. And, and Kansas State really ended up being kind of susceptible to it. Uh, one, the coaching decision that seemed most curious there was um, there in the, the second half, they they're deep into TCU territory about 25 yard line and they've got about a fourth and two. It's the, it's the play where Will Howard is scrambling for a first down and gets tackled and, and gets hobbled a bit and has to come off the field. And instead of attempting uh, a fourth down conversion there with Deuce Vaughn and a backup quarterback, um, they, they kick that field goal into the wind, like a 45 yard field goal uh, into that terrible wind. And, you know, Hypnotoad came to the rescue as well in that case. I mean, they you, you, they were Hypnotoad got pumped into the stadium at that point, and that poor kicker had no chance uh, once once Hypnotoad came out. And and also kicking into the wind in a pretty difficult kick anyway. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a that was a curious decision. I suppose it was just because of the quarterback situation where on that one play Howard wasn't going to be able to run it, but you know, fourth and short, you, you've got this excellent running back and, and this offensive line. I don't know. I, I think that's that's probably one that Chris Kleiman would, would like to take back and, and maybe go for in that situation. Yeah, I think uh, just based on Kansas State's reputation and how they like to play, I just – maybe if it's Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, they probably go for it there. Uh, maybe even uh, Texas or West Virginia, but – Kansas State, I've always felt, is more conservative when it comes to play calling offensively. So I, I, I definitely could see why they settled for the field goal there. But they wind up going 0 for 2 on on field goals in the game, and uh, those are things we, we've talked about on the podcast before about how do you beat top ranked teams, especially on the road? You can't make mistakes like that. Uh, Kansas State left six points on the board with those two missed kicks and of course it's unfortunate that they had some injuries during the game and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit but um special teams definitely was a factor in this game and, and you brought up the win I think Jordy Sandy actually had to switch to the rugby style uh during the game because keep it low it was the only yeah. way to yeah it was the only way to keep the ball low <laughs> and uh you hit it right you're gonna get about 10, 15 yards, maybe even up to 20 yards of just the ball bouncing down the field. So um, just overall, I think there are some things to, to do better on. It'd be nice to get back to starting fast like TCU has shown it can do. But um, you really, I think, have to appreciate the, the adjustments that TCU has shown it can make defensively. Uh, this is really... Uh, two or three games in a row where the Frogs have made big adjustments on the defensive end in the second half. And offensively, it's just, they're just continuing to chug along. Um, Like I mentioned before, consistently scoring into the 30s and 40s, consistently running the ball for well over 100, 150 yards a game. Uh, Max Duggan is avoiding uh, turnovers. I want to say he's up to what 18 or 19 touchdown passes yeah i think it's 19 to 1 19 to 1 yeah and that's and his completion percentage continues to improve and again we're we're at the point now where it's it's little things it's not 
huge areas of this football team that are bad or need improvement. It's just marginal tweaks. Like you mentioned, Max had a couple sacks he probably could have avoided if he throws the ball away. And that's been kind of a bugaboo of his throughout his, his career is just kind of settling in the pocket for a little too long. And I know we've talked about that on the podcast before, but just little tweaks that I think those kinds of flaws are less glaring against lesser football teams. So I'm interested to see, of course, starting with West Virginia coming up and then you have uh, Iowa state, you have Texas tech, uh, Baylor. These are all unranked teams that have had their highs and their lows. So you want to see, are these flaws still glaring or even more glaring against those kinds of teams or um, are they only things that get, I guess, exposed against higher, higher levels of play. But overall, I mean, again, I don't think you could be any more pleased if you were Sonny Dykes and the coaching staff about what the team has accomplished so far. And you got to get buckled in for another tough one coming up in, in Morgantown. It's always a very difficult place to play. Uh, TCU West Virginia have had some thrilling matchups over these last several years. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. And so before we jump into this next week's game, uh, Saturday morning from Morgantown, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we're, we're at this point over halfway through the season, TCU's undefeated, top 10, uh, playoff rankings coming out soon. What What's the, the media, the, what's the national view of TCU? Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that uh, y- you love to be part of the conversation. It's great. It's the best. It's also kind of the worst um, because you get a lot of people saying things that, you know, we are, we as TCU fans, we're very in the weeds on everything that TCU is up to. And so we, we hear things that aren't necessarily correct about TCU or, uh, or fair about the Horn Frog schedule or, or play. And, I know that the TCU fan base is is often one to to take that and and run with it. Uh, I'm not excluded from that. So, you know, some of the things that have come up in the last week or so of the way people are discussing TCU's chances going forward, um, I mean, the the first thing that's that's pretty bothersome on just like a, a... on a base level is the, the stuff about injuries. Um, you know, so the, the one Oklahoma state account that, that kind of blew up this week that, that had the comment about TCU, um, where, where they said something like, Oh, are they, they benefiting from injury luck or is it something more like wink, wink, hint, hint, uh, are these dirty players? And, and, you know, to, to, to be fair, some, some, high level national writers came to the defense there of like, this guy's a goon and this statement's crazy, but you know, that's the kind of thing that people are seeing that and it will be used. This is, this is going to be a talking point for the rest of the season that people will use against TCU. And I can very well see, um, you know, that the college football playoff committee using that when they start talking about TCU, um, when those rankings come out. So, you know, yes, it's also the kind of thing you got to dig into it deeper. So Dylan Gabriel gets hurt against TCU. 
we we talked about it when it happened. Clearly a penalty, clearly a targeting, players ejected, and it's unfortunate that that he's injured. Um, and but at the time TCU was up what like twenty eight points, twenty one points. I want to say um, it was seventeen to zero. So they yeah, the game so, was I mean, the game was very well in TCU's hands when TCU was already running out. away yeah. with that game. Um, so it's and and so maybe Gabriel storms back and there's there's a, a huge comeback, but uh, there was nothing the rest of that game to suggest that the Oklahoma defense was ever going to stop TCU from scoring. Um, so you know, throw that one however you feel. And and we talked about it with this this Kansas State game of clearly when TCU has the preparation on these running quarterbacks, um, there's there's a level of of kind of shutdown nature to it. I mean, uh, Jalen Daniels was had done nothing um, up to the point. Obviously, he had the fumble at the goal line, which which was a big play. If they score there, that that maybe changes things. But um, he was not playing well before he got injured um, in a routine football play where he gets tackled and 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 he gets hurt. Um, and Bean comes in and plays very well. Um, and, you know, they're, 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 the media people are also doing the same thing with, about Spencer Sanders. Like, oh, you know, Spencer Sanders was hobbled, so TCU really benefited from that. Well, Spencer Sanders went out the next week and beat Texas. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody's like, oh, Texas, you know, could, could three-loss Texas make the playoff? Like, come on, guys. Yeah. I, I just I, – I think it's – everybody's trying to use what they want to make the argument that they want to make. And, and for a lot of people, it's, it's to take down TCU, which, you know, that's, that's the way we see things as TCU fans. But I think this is a, this is a narrative we're going to continue to see. Yeah, and I think what's what's discouraging is TCU just beat four ranked teams in a row. And the first thing that people are talking about is not the fact that TCU just beat four ranked teams in a row. Because it, it doesn't matter if you're playing in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten, Big 12, wherever. You don't beat four ranked teams in a row very often. You might beat two in a row, three in a row. I mean, I, I can't remember in recent history, the last time a team knocked off four ranked opponents in a row, and maybe it was recently and I just don't know about it, but, um, yeah, I think it's happened like three times ever. It's like, it's, 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 yeah. it's rare. I think it's happened once ever in the big 12 it, before TCU. did. Yeah. It's, it's rare. And you know, this is a, it's a team game, you know, the TCU football team beat the Kansas state football team. TCU beat the Oklahoma football team. You know, this is a, a, a roster made up of near 100 guys that beat another team with nearly 100 guys on it. And I I cringe when I read all of these arguments that – and I think some people are doing it to troll because it is social media and that's how people are. But I also believe from some of the things that I've read that there are some that genuinely believe that TCU is playing dirty football. Uh, that doesn't sit well with me. The the Jamoy Hodge hit on Dylan Gabriel, he was penalized. He was kicked out of the game. They showed him on the sideline after the game or during the game. I don't believe that was intentionally a, a yeah, player he's trying distraught. to make he's a dirty play. Absolutely. Exactly. And for, for Jalen Daniels 
to be tackled and he's got a 250 pound linebacker landing on his shoulder. You see these kinds of plays happening in the NFL very frequently in college football. They happen very frequently. Caleb Fox tackles Will Howard. You got a 300 pound defensive lineman landing on your shoulder. Yeah. There's a chance you're probably going to get dinged up or hurt in that situation. Um, I don't think TCU is going out of its way to injure anybody. And I think anybody who's claiming that a lot of people are making these claims with zero evidence. And I think that's what really, uh, in the words of Peter Griffin grinds my gears when, when I see things like that. And again, I know that's just the nature of social media where people can make a lot of those claims baselessly with no evidence, but overall just what sticks out to me is college football playoff rankings are going to be coming out very soon. You look at TCU's resume, I know they're number seven in the AP poll right now, but how many teams ranked above TCU have wins over four ranked opponents already? I think Tennessee might have three or four, but they objectively, you look at just purely based off resumes, I think TCU has one of the best, if not the best, resumes in all of college football. And instead of talking about the fact that TCU's beaten four ranked opponents and being able to overcome some adversity, it's, oh, well, Spencer Sanders wasn't 100%. Oh, well, Jalen Daniels got hurt. Well, guess what? Max Duggan wasn't even supposed to start. He was the backup quarterback at the start of the year, and he's taken over this team and is playing the best football of his career. I mean, it's college football. Crazy things happen. And Spencer Sanders comes out and hangs 41 on Texas. He, he looked pretty good in that game. Uh, Oklahoma, they get Dylan Gabriel. They score 52 points against Kansas. I mean, that's a, that's a good football team that was getting their butts kicked well before he went out against TCU. So I think people need to – anybody who's making those claims about TCU playing dirty football uh, – getting lucky going up against teams where quarterbacks aren't a hundred percent injuries are a part of the game. Is, is it unfortunate that it's happening at an important position? Sure. But this is a game where you have 11 guys on one side and you have 11 guys on the other side and you have far more guys on each sideline. So I think you have to get over it and, and move on because there's still plenty of football to play. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, we've probably spent too much time on it, but uh, yeah, you, you said the piece about Max being the backup, and uh, you know that that seems to be glossed over. That TCU is beating Spencer Sanders with its backup quarterback, and and just because people know who Max Duggan is and he's been around for a long time, that is that is the case just as much as uh, yeah, you know, anything else. But uh, also in this Kansas State game, Max Duggan took a targeting, a shot to the head that the player on Kansas State was ejected. Um, and Max Duggan stayed in the game and continued to play. And, you know, nobody is saying, well, Kansas State was just out there trying to hurt Max Duggan. I mean, that's, it's just, that's the thing. Sometimes in football, people get, get hit and, and it's not, it's not always a malicious thing. Um, and I'll also just say on the, the rankings thing, yeah, the AP voters are very much tied to the way they voted from preseason and on. 
I mean, nobody is using that same argument. This, the same AP voters that are using the the potentially injured or not 100% quarterbacks against TCU are the ones that are voting Alabama ahead of TCU, despite Alabama having zero top 25 wins in currently ranked teams, despite Alabama having a loss, and despite Alabama needing a last-minute field goal to defeat Texas's backup quarterback. Right? So, you know, that's that's not a conversation. Nobody's holding back Alabama for that, and that's just, you know, everybody loves Alabama, and they're great, and they're going to continue being great, and they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and all of that. But um, we'll, we'll see as the committee uses more resume-based things and not just like, well, I think this person's going to lose eventually. Um, that was the other – that's the other talking point that it has really kind of bothered me is the – Oh, you know, oh, the Big 12 is so great. We love the Big 12 this year. It's so deep. It's so exciting. These games are great. They're so close. Um, so that means that the winner of the league is going to be obviously not part of the, the college football playoff. What? what, what, what? <laughs> Why? Why not? I mean, if, if what you're saying is, uh, you know, there's all these metrics of like the Big 12 as a complete conference is either first or second with the SEC – why would its champion not be in the playoff? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now, you know, a, a two loss team, you can see that, but there's already this projection that TCU will definitely lose a game. And even when they lose a game that will eliminate the frogs from the playoff. And it's, you know, I kind of, it's hard to not be cynical about it because of what happened in 2014, and what we've seen with the playoff ever since its inception, um, to believe that to be a true case, um, but it's also like we gotta we gotta fight the power on that because it's just not uh, it's not it's not a fair assessment. You you can't talk out of both sides there to say this this conference is so deep and so good and all the all the pl- teams are are evenly matched and and are quality. And then also say it doesn't matter if you if you win out or, or w- come out of that conference with one loss. Yeah, that's that's an interesting argument because I think the Big Twelve being a round robin type format where every team plays every other team. I I personally love that. I don't like how in the Big Ten the SEC uh, you play your division and you only play a couple other teams on the other side. Um, the Big 12, to me, is a complete conference. But I also believe that I feel like the the Big 12, you're going to have a lot of teams that finish, I don't know, 6-6 six and six to 8-4. and four, And you might have a couple teams finish 9-3, and 10-2, uh, and two, with the potential for something even greater. Whereas... I think in the ACC, SEC, uh, even the Big Ten, you have definitely the Big two Ten. or three top dogs who are almost certain to go unbeaten or go finish with one loss, barring some Category Five meltdown. Um, so I think that's what makes it more difficult from a team in the Big Twelve to make the playoff. Is just you you have. Like some conferences you have here and here, the Big Twelve is much more like kind of in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you have a lot of really good football teams, and you'll probably wind up with 
nearly the entire conference bowl eligible with the exception of maybe one or two, but the potential for the playoff and the finish with one loss, it's going to be so difficult just because you play real competitive games week after week. And you, you don't have a, a Rutgers in the big 12. You don't have a Vanderbilt in the big 12. Right. Or Kansas, like Kansas has been in the past. That Kansas team doesn't exist right. this year. Correct. And yeah, and that's Kansas has been the pushover. Kansas starts the season five and oh, um, Iowa State, I know Iowa State's having a rough go of it right now, being uh, 0-4 in the conference, but Iowa State has also lost They pushed Kansas State. They pushed Texas. Yeah, they've lost those four games. They were right in those games. Yeah, they've lost those four games by a combined 16 points. So that's – there's and we've talked about it so many times before. There's no gimmies in the Big 12 like I feel like there are in some of these other Power 5 conferences, and I feel like some of those – elite teams benefit from getting the occasional uh, cupcake matchup. Like I think a team like Ohio state or a team like Alabama um, or a team like Clemson will benefit from that as opposed to well, a shoot, team Michigan, like... Michigan has played one game against a like top hundred top one twenty team. I mean, yeah, they they beat Penn State at home, and and it's pretty questionable about whether Penn State is you know of of top twenty level team actually. But that's the I mean, Michigan played probably the worst non conference schedule in the whole country, playing UConn and Colorado State, and I mean, come on, um, and and they're but it doesn't matter. They're still ranked above TCU even for it, mm. for what I I don't know. I don't know really where anyone's getting that. Pre preseason you know, polls, baby. It's it's preseason. Yeah. Right. So um okay. We'll just we'll cl- we've we've gone way 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 too long on this stuff, but uh you know, college football playoff ranking comes out Tuesday. Uh hopefully this game goes well for TCU and and we have a an interesting result of that to talk about, but but frankly uh, save your emotions, save your time, go do something else. Uh, you know, count your Halloween candy, just do something else. Don't watch, don't watch the playoff rankings. Just don't torture yourself. You know, you're going to be mad. It's, it's a television (laughs) show specifically meant to make you mad and meant to, to, to get you fired up online. Uh, just don't do it. So, you know, have some self care there and, and don't watch it. But that's uh, that's Tuesday, November first. Uh, all right, we'll we'll move on. We're, let's let's talk about this game against West Virginia because I am I'm on I'm on two sides of a coin on this game. I, I think I am in in one hand uh, quite nervous about um, about this West Virginia game. First, just going on the road uh, to Morgantown is is a dangerous place to play. We saw it with Baylor earlier this year. Um, we've seen it with TCU many times in the past. Uh, that the the quality of the teams in the game maybe you throw out the window because it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough place to play. Um, and there there is certainly talent on this West Virginia team, and they are by no means a pushover. Um, the other side of that coin for me is like we've said, TCU hasn't put together like a hundred percent great game yet. Um, and it feels like it's coming and 
And if it happens here in Morgantown, it could be where TCU runs away with it. So I, I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm worried. I'm excited. What are your thoughts here looking forward to the Mountaineers? Yeah, I, I think anytime TCU plays a game outside of the state of Texas, I get a little nervous just because it, it doesn't happen very frequently. And at least in Morgantown, there have been so many. You go back to 2013 where Gary Patterson rolls the dice. They go for two. They score there. Uh, Jaden Overcrum hitting the walk-off field goal to, to get a win there. West Virginia's hit a walk-off field goal in Fort Worth to beat TCU. And West Virginia has beaten TCU every season since 2017. And, and so Neil Brown is Neil Brown was unbeaten against Gary Patterson. Uh, the Mountaineers have had TCU's number in recent seasons, and they've done it really with just very physical football and real physical defense. Uh, the Frogs have struggled big time to score points against West Virginia over the last few years. So um, I'm intrigued to see whether or not this offense can continue to keep it rolling. And uh, a fast start is going to be key in this game. I think uh, this, you look at this, a team that's, I think West Virginia is four and three, maybe, maybe three and four. Um, they're, they're at the bottom of the conference right now. One of the lower spots in the conference. And it's, it's kind of a trap game uh, for, for TCU coming in and being seven and zero, being the number seven team in the country um, it's only going to get more difficult from here as, as expectations just continue to, to mount and the wins continue to stack up. And I think any coach will tell you that as you extend that unbeaten streak more and more, it becomes more and more difficult to win. So I'm, I'm really curious to see TCU defensively in the Kansas State game we saw it. We saw it against Kansas as well when they give up big chunk plays in zone coverage. And between Bryce Ford Wheaton, Caden Prather, Sam James, JT Daniels has turned the ball over quite a bit this year, but he's also experienced and he's capable of having a big game. Uh, TCU's got to be able to, to, to play some good zone coverage and some good man in this game. It's going to be a big-time test for the back five uh Bryce Ford Wheaton is in my opinion one of the better receivers in the big 12 um this is a team that its season's kind of on life support right now West Virginia has shown some flashes uh beating Baylor hanging 43 points on on Baylor uh playing a real competitive game against Pittsburgh at the very start of the season but they've also had some stinkers so uh, if, if there was any better opportunity to get get the season back on track for West Virginia, it would be this weekend against TCU uh, for a, a team and a coach who could very well be uh, competing for his job this year in, in Neil Brown. So uh, do not fall for the trap. That's that's my my advice to TCU for whatever it's worth for me uh... yeah don't don't take the cheese all of that yeah yeah and and the the players and coaches have done a good job at least with their words 
what what they say that they're you know they're keeping their focus and they're not really worrying about all those those outside that that whole rant we just went on about the playoff they're not worried about any of that stuff they're not listening to that they don't care about it they don't care about rankings they don't care about what bowl they're going to any of that stuff that's the message and and you know i think i think they're doing a good job with that and the coaching staff is doing a really good job of keeping them focused and and uh but it like you said it's only going to keep getting harder and the, the outside forces are going to keep getting louder and louder um and the pressure is going to keep squeezing tighter and tighter and um it, you know there's you just have to try to not slip up um and you know, part of, part of what worries me on on this team, uh, this West Virginia team, is is J T. Daniels is a good passing quarterback. He's he's quite good. He is a he's a rich man's Will Howard. He's he has the ability, and and certainly the the playmakers for West Virginia, I would say, um, you know, outside of the running back position, are are better than Kansas State's. Um, so. You know, Daniels is not the type to run around and and do crazy things with his legs, but his his passing skill is uh, quite high. And you know, he's everybody knows his story coming out as a big five star quarterback and and has to transfer a couple times and and gets usurped. But uh, he has the ability to put it together. And and if he goes on a run without making that bad mistake like he did against Pitt, like he did against Kansas. Um, you know they would have won both of those games uh, if if he doesn't make that one mistake um, or one. You know, I, I think in the pit game it was Ford Wheaton. It, it kind of bounced off his helmet and, yeah. and it was returned for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I'm tr- I'm trying to say I've got I've got concerns and and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nervous pacing watching this game uh, most definitely. And you know that. West Virginia defense also has some some playmakers too. I mean, there's there's still a Stills brother or cousin or nephew or son somewhere playing on this this West Virginia team. Feels like there's been a Stills at at West Virginia for 20 years, um, or at least since 12 since we've been in the conference. It feels like, but um, you know, I, I think TCU will have opportunities to to score, um, and. I think the TCU defense is well positioned to stop West Virginia's offense, but we have seen uh, these these kind of precision passing, pocket passing quarterbacks do some work against TCU and and the three three five where you're putting a lot of if if you are putting those TCU linebackers in coverage situations, it really can get them crossed up. Um, you know that's that's just not their forte. That's not what they're there to do. And so when when you're forced to play in that way, um, it could lead to some problems on the defensive end. Anything else on on West Virginia? What what other thoughts you have? Uh, you know what? I think we pretty much covered everything. I wouldn't we be ready surprised for, for our if, prediction. Uh, yeah, we can get into the predictions real quick. I was just kind of thinking. Uh, I believe TCU was ranked number seven. Uh, the year Jaden Obercrum hit the walk-off field goal to, to win that game by one point. And uh, I think you can very well see uh, a similar situation in this game where so- someone might need to make some key kicks. Uh, Griffin Kell has been, again, really solid on field goals this year. And I think anytime 
you have that extra weapon in your pocket, especially when you're playing on the road um, in Morgantown, which is a difficult place to play. Uh, knowing that you can take the three points when you need it is, is going to help the offense. Of course, you'd like to see the offense finish off as many drives with six as you can, but um, I think I, I feel like I say this practically every week, but uh, special teams has been uh, a low-key strength for this TCU team. Uh, coverage has been pretty solid on punts, on on kickoffs, and uh, Jordy Sandy, Griffin Kell have both done a, a really nice job there. We know Darius Davis is capable of making a play. Really happy to see him bounce back after uh, a pretty tough game uh, recently against Oklahoma State. So, um, yeah, I, I think th- this could, uh, at least by my prediction, I guess we'll go ahead and just uh, jump into it right now. TCU is a seven-and-a-half point favorite. The total is 69 points. I have been fairly conservative with my predictions throughout the season, but uh, I am, again, going to pick the Frogs to cover the spread like I do every week. I think this might be the game TCU finally uh, cuts loose and, and breaks it open. Um, I Part of me also thinks that this could be a, a pretty tight game, but... I just I think West Virginia's had too many stinkers this year, and I think TCU's going to respond um, after a couple weeks where there have been some pretty slow starts. I think TCU is going to come out and really dominate this first half. So my score prediction is going to be TCU 45, West Virginia 24. Frogs play a really, really good first half. They walk out of Morgantown 8-0 going into the first unveiling of the playoff rankings. I love it. I think that's a, a – I like it. I think it's a likely possibility, I think, of the percentages. You know, that's that's probably in the, the, the higher percentages chances of happening. Uh, I, I, I think it, what you say, this is the one where it breaks open. I'm I'm – being a little more conservative in my thought here, I think this is still a, a relatively tight game that that TCU holds to a 35-28 uh, final score. So we go under the total of, of 69. Uh, TCU does not cover a 7.5-point spread. Uh, just playing in that road atmosphere, I think maybe the early game actually makes it better for TCU. You know, you don't have those fans getting riled up for, for all day. Um, you know, unless they spend all Friday night into an uh, in early 11. I don't know. I don't know how it works in West Virginia. Maybe they're, they're pretty crazy out there, I guess. But, um, you know, I think in any case, it's a tough place to play. And West Virginia is able to contain some of the things that uh, that Max Duggan does. Um, but I see Kendra Miller getting some loose again for like the third or fourth straight week where, where he's just a, a dominant superstar and TCU comes away with a, a touchdown victory. Um, and then, yes, from there, TCU, uh, you know, after after all of the other top teams lose in their games that they're supposed to win this week, just go ahead and put, put TCU in the, the top two uh, in that playoff ranking. Let's let's see that. Uh, okay, that's that's too far. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, all right, so we've already we've already hit an hour here. Uh, let's see. 
Let's just look at uh, ahead to the Big 12 this week. What what's on the slate? It's a a really interesting slate of games um that that I think and really nationally I think there's a perception that the the games this week are a little one-sided or kind of eh but um I could see a lot of chaos happening this week because of that just because there's there's these games where where good teams are really expected to kind of run away with things and uh when when you get a week like that you tend to see the opposite happen um you tend to see some chaos and hopefully TCU doesn't get caught up in that chaos but um around the Big 12 we've got Oklahoma is a 1 point favorite at Iowa State Oklahoma State is on the road at Kansas State and the Wildcats are actually a one and a half point favorite over the Cowboys and Baylor is in Lubbock and the Red Raiders are two and a half point favorites over the Bears um just on uh, my, my thoughts on the Oklahoma Iowa State game I think Oklahoma might be back and Iowa State continues to get this respect from whatever computer is and and you know odds makers are spitting out numbers and i i think i think oklahoma definitely wins in ames and definitely wins by more than one point so i would say oklahoma covers that one yeah i i think oklahoma will win this game i just based off of the way iowa state has played this season on the defensive end they've tied down some some pretty potent offenses with some pretty good skill players so um not to say Oklahoma's going to win by three points. I think Oklahoma's capable of winning this game by by at least a touchdown or two. But um, I could see the score being more, for, for at least for Oklahoma, maybe in the 20s, uh, low 30s max. But uh, I really want to pick Iowa State. I just don't feel like I can. Not not this time. With, with Dylan Gabriel back healthy, the way – that offense looked against Kansas, uh, hanging 52 points. I think with him back there, Oklahoma is a completely different team. And I know they've struggled on the defensive end, but uh, no team in the Big 12 this season, I think, has shot itself more in the foot than the Cyclones. So I'm, I'll go with Oklahoma. Yeah, and this – Cowboys Wildcats game is a super important game in the Big 12 race. I mean the the winner of this game will be kind of back in line to uh to make it to Arlington for the conference championship game and and really get a get a leg up now that both teams have lost to TCU. Um both teams that's right now their only loss in conference. So, um it's a it's a big opportunity i think you know for it's it's one that kansas state kind of has to win to keep pace because next up they still have texas on the schedule uh where oklahoma state has already taken down the longhorns so i think kansas state has to come out and win this game but without uh without adrian martinez maybe that doesn't happen i don't know this this line being what it is even with it pretty clear that will howard's going to be the quarterback um i think it's a it's a pretty strong nod to everything that kansas state does and to what will howard does i think i think kansas state can come out and and take this game just as a uh, a really motivated team they probably feel like should have won against tcu um 
where Oklahoma State is kind of riding high still off of uh, taking down the Longhorns. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. I feel like TCU and Oklahoma State right now uh, are the two best teams in the Big 12. Um, I think Kansas, if they can get Jalen Daniels back at some point, they can make a run. Oklahoma's capable of making a run. Uh, Kansas State, I think, is a very good team. But I, I like what I saw from Oklahoma State defensively against the Longhorns. Quinn Ewers really struggled in that game. The Cowboys made some huge plays on defense late to seal it. Um, so I like Oklahoma State here. I'm going to take the Cowboys. Awesome. And then, yeah, the Baylor at, at Texas Tech, I it, just like the, the odds makers have loved Iowa State, they have really disliked Baylor. Um, I think Baylor goes in there and wins this game. Texas Tech is obviously way ramped up for their game against the Horn Frogs next week. Uh, you know, their their official Twitter account is already tweeting, you know, trash talk and all of that. I I, I think I think they're just uh they're already looking ahead. They don't they do not care about this game. They don't care if they win. They don't they they're trying to come out healthy and come into Fort Worth and ruin TCU's season. That is all that matters going forward for Texas Tech. And frankly, you know, if they if they have a season that includes a win over uh, Texas and a win over TCU, that's a successful season no matter what else happens. So um, I understand the position there, and I, I think they are not – they're not ready for Baylor, and Baylor comes and takes it to them. This is, this is a game where I wish I could pick neither team because I'm not a fan <laughs> of either team, but uh, – Texas Tech's offense is dangerous. I mean, it doesn't seem to matter who they plug in at quarterback. Uh, they rack up yards like no other. Um, their passing attack is, is one of the best in the Big 12. Uh, I know they don't run the ball too much, but uh, Taj Brooks did have a nice game uh, this past weekend. And I, I haven't watched Baylor enough. I don't really know what to make of Baylor at this point kind of like West Virginia where they've had some, some really nice moments and then uh, some complete duds thrown in there as well. And for a team under Dave Aranda, you wouldn't think would struggle a whole lot on the defensive end uh, at times has really struggled. And I think they're going to struggle against uh, a really uh, potent Texas Tech passing attack. So I'm going to take the Red Raiders. Yeah, and, and for Baylor, it's the kind of thing where their their schedule has made them look worse. I mean, they they went and lost to to BYU, who then has gone and lost to Oregon and Notre Dame in in pretty bad fashion, and lost to West Virginia, who looked just awful against Texas Tech. So can definitely see why uh, the Raiders are are favored here. And, and yeah, like you say, who, who knows what, what they're up to right now uh, in, in Waco. Um, all right, let's, let's just uh, close it with a, a couple of these quick news items just to follow up on TCU soccer. Um, in the last week since we last talked, took a loss, its first loss in Big 12 play against Oklahoma on the road and then went on the road to Waco and defeated Baylor always a good thing uh one two to nothing there regular season finale is thursday night so 
Um, if you're downloading and listening to this as soon as it comes up, uh, go out tonight, Thursday night, to Garvey Rosenthal and go see uh, the Horn Frog Lady Soccer team take on the Red Raiders in the regular season finale. Uh, still with a chance to take a, a regular season share of the Big 12 title um, ahead of next week's Big 12 conference tournament. Um, also, we're getting really close to basketball season. We've been getting ready for the hype. The hype is is real, and uh, TCU will uh, this Sunday have an exhibition and then start the season November 7th against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, more to come. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll be seeing a bunch of preview stuff coming from us on frogsofwar.com. Uh, for basketball season, so we'll be covering that certainly in full as well. Um, let's see, anything you wanted to go back to, Russ? Since you know we're we're over an hour here, but but anything else we didn't touch on that that we want to say? You know what? I think we pretty much just about covered it. And I'm not going to lie; <laughs> I think my phone is on probably three percent battery. So if we <laughs> go any longer, uh, you might see. Uh, a black screen pop up and you might just start talking to yourself all right well i was i was doing that on mute earlier apparently (laughs) so you know it's it's all right it's all right yeah well let's let's get out of here let's get you uh get your phone plugged in um thanks everyone for listening thanks for for hanging with us at frogsofwar.com and on twitter facebook follow us everywhere download and subscribe to this podcast um we, we hope you enjoy all, all that we're, we're putting out there and this podcast as well. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, you know, you can see our, our lovely faces there. Um, and, and, you know, join us in the, in the comment section for the game thread on Saturday. Um, you know, it's a lively conversation and uh, all the, the roller coaster of emotions as, as we go through these games. Certainly it's, uh, it's been that roller coaster, no doubt, the last two weeks. Um, it's it's a fun time and uh, you know it's fun it'll be fun to go back and look at those kind of like oh man here's what we were thinking uh at different parts of the season so anyway um that's all we've got this week and thanks for listening go frogs go frogs <laughs>